All right, welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. Today is January 29th, 2015. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week, and I'll be joined with uh, Mike Howerton of AZ Billiards and Mr. Mark Cantrell. How are you guys doing today? Fabulous. Thank you very much. Good, good. Glad to be home. Yeah, that's a good thing. Uh, I'm guessing that... uh, you're happy to be back in the in the in the heat of the Southwest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I. The only experience I had had at Derby with the weather was whenever I was walking by the doors because I wasn't going out for anything except for to come back home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. I'd be the same way. So in the news this week. Uh, we're looking at, of course, Derby City is, uh, uh, you know, just kind of in the final stretch here uh but we'll get back to that in just a minute uh we also have um next week cranking up is the jay swanson memorial uh out on the west coast at uh hard times um about two weeks away is the world tin ball championship on the 15th that's going to get started there and i also understand that uh, the arizona desert classic is uh cranking up next week right on top of the jay swanson Mike, uh, do you want to make a mention of, of uh, the issue that we have with uh, events overlapping each other? Well, it's been going on for a while, but it really seems to be rearing its ugly head uh, this year. There was the first Chinese eight ball event, uh, yes. the Masters, which was invitation only. Right. That was on top of Turning Stone. Yeah. There's the big Chinese eight ball event going on right now, and that's on top of Derby City. So that's where Torsten is at. That's where Oscar is at. That's where Corey is at. Um, that's where Darren Appleton is at. Mm-hmm. Now you've got U.S. Bar Box, and there's the World Ten Ball Championship on top of it. Yeah. So the Filipino players who would usually go to Bar Box are going to be in the Philippines playing World Ten Ball. Right. There's a Scotch doubles event in the Philippines right after World Ten Ball, which is on top of a Euro Tour event. And mm-hmm. we know that European players cannot play in an event like that on top of a Euro Tour event. Yeah. There's got to be an answer to this. Um, one answer that I've heard put forward is the WPA. If if CSI would sanction the U.S. bar box, then the WPA would not have sanctioned World Ten Ball at the same time. Now that's one solution, but sure. there, it seems there's an easier solution out there. I mean, it, it seems it shouldn't be that difficult to to be able to refer to a calendar, yeah, and just say, "Look, there's as the WPA." There's no, there's no sanctioned WPA event going on that week. However, you might want to consider that this U.S. Bar Box event is going on. It, it, it only helps all the promoters. Right, I mean, exactly, exactly. U.S. Bar Box certainly wants the Filipino players there. Yeah. Uh, World Ten Ball wants players like Shane. Well, I mean, now that U.S. Bar Box is a Moscone Cup event... How many American? I mean, is Mike DeShane, is Johnny Archer, is Rodney Morris, is Shane 
going to go to the Philippines or are they going to play in the States where they earn points for Moscone Cup? It's just... Right, right, right. It's just common sense. Right. When it, let me ask you a question real quick. When is the Andy Mercer, the Ron Rona in Vegas? What Do you know the dates on that? I think that's coming up as well. I what? don't. That is such a hard tournament for me to get information on. Um, I've tried and tried and I just have no luck with it. Hmm. Well, doesn't it seem There's like... That that's right around the corner as well, and I know that, that that's a tough little tournament. Uh, I know Appleton's played in it, Shane plays in it. Yeah. There's Barica, the Dominguez family uh, that, that play in that as well, and are they going to be stuck on that one? But I don't want to speculate. I guess I don't want to speculate on that because we don't really know what, what the dates are, but I know it's coming up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, does it make sense I mean, to anybody maybe to, uh, you know, and I'm not telling the WPA what to do, but what if they had somebody that was the taskmaster as far as the scheduling? Like, in other words, one source of information to go to where that, that all the promoters could go to and say, okay, what's the calendar look like? And then, it, you know, if, if everybody agreed to register their events or at least pencil them in in such a way, there would be a reference point to go to, you know? You know, it's actually kind of funny, um, and, and not I, I don't know in a good way, but it's funny that we've been complaining there's not enough tournaments and not enough things going on, but now we've not <laughs> got enough room to fit them all in somehow, you yeah. know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, everybody knows everybody. We all know each other. Uh, I'm talking about promoters in, in the in the business. I, I don't know why the can't, it can't be as simple as a phone call or a few phone calls right. to say, hey, when are you going to do the run, brother? When are you going to do the Reno? When are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? Right. And it'd just be a, a, a real easy conversation. I know, you know I'm not, I'm, I, as I always say, I'm the bottom of the barrel promoter, but when I, I've done it with Mark Griffin and Justin, when we I was going to do an event, one weekend, and they were going to do uh, one of their events the same weekend. Now, I'm not saying that my business would have taken anything from the action report, uh, as it was at the time, but it may have had an impact. Maybe somebody wanted to watch Earl and Shane versus Dennis Ocolo and Johnny Archer, for, for an example. Right. Um, but, but it could happen. It could take something from each of us. And you know, we nobody can afford to have anything taken away. And we got on the phone and said, "Hey, listen, this is we we both want this weekend. What we're going to do?" And we ended up making an, an agreement and, and worked out and changing dates so that it could happen. Yeah. And that's just two small, I say small, two events that went on on that were going to be on a particular weekend. Uh, Mike, is, is it not just a matter of talking to everybody or? Do you, do you think that's too much well, hard work or not really worth it? No, and, and I, you're, I agree. It, it does come down to promoters staying in touch with each other. Um, I think that that might not be the issue. I mean, let's face it, the promoters of the Chinese eight ball really don't care about turning stone, and, and they don't care about derby, and they don't really care about Moscone Cup. I mean, Probably not. the kind of money they're throwing around out there, it's it's the Kevin Trudeau syndrome, you know, where mm-hmm. if I've got a big enough wallet, 
I can schedule anytime I want to, and no right. one's going to stop me. Right, right. Um, you know, and, and Manny Pacquiao, he doesn't really care about U.S. bar box, but sure. for the betterment of the game, these events can't schedule on top of each other. I mean, I've heard it said that, well, that just means there's more opportunity for the players. Well, the players don't need more opportunities on the same weekend. No. They need more weekends where they have opportunities. So, yeah, yeah. You know, this if is only true. there were some big website with a, with a calendar somewhere that had this information. <laughs> Gee whiz! I think there is. I, I think there is one, isn't that? Uh, uh, yeah, it's something <laughs> like like A Z B or something. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's covered pool from A to Z, and you know, I joke about it, but it, it's not that tough to to look at a calendar. And no. but but again, you know, all three of these. Ask problems right. involve promoters who really it, it doesn't bother them if there's another event going on. Yeah. It's not going to hurt it's, the Chinese. Not, not, not to call you out on it, Mike, but the Desert Classic tour is <laughs> over the top of the other one. The I know, yeah, I wrote the fucking website. Do <laughs> you? <laughs> That's funny. You know, I'll, and and we did. We talked to uh, I talked to Ozzy about it because I knew that Barbox was coming up, and I wanted to make sure we didn't schedule on Barbox. Now, I wasn't looking at it as, oh well, I don't want to take players away from Barbox. No, it was I don't want to run a tournament where all my players are running off to Barbox. Yeah, right. Um, right. We had a choice. It was either schedule at the same time as Barbox or schedule at the same time as Swami and. We have very few players here in Arizona that go to Swanee. Yeah. Oh, and 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 let me let me use this as the first opportunity. There is no more Desert Classic tour. It is now the Diamond Pool tour, and oh. there will be a story coming out about that real soon. But it, there is no more Desert Classic tour. It's the Diamond Pool tour. Ah, okay, that's interesting. Well, then I guess you're going to have yeah. to update the info on your calendar. There, it still says I do, Desert. Yeah, it says Desert Classic on it. Yeah, I haven't announced it. I haven't written up anything. I had a okay. I just got back yesterday. Well, that's all right. We'll, there should we'll, be a we'll website. Yeah, there should be a website for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Mike, I know that you weren't there for the whole week, obviously, because we're on the phone now and you're back at home. But uh, what can you tell us about the Derby as far as uh, the outcome thus far? Um. Shane plays a lot better on a 10-foot table than he did a couple years ago. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Efren plays real good at any game that involves a cue and balls. Uh, <laughs> figured that out. Yeah, yeah, this is true. So Shane got the, uh, he, he won the Bigfoot, is that right? The Bigfoot challenge, Shane took that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one is not really uh, an accurate description. I mean, when you win the semifinals and the finals by a combined score of 22 to 4, that's not just winning. That's a landslide, yeah. That's a beating. Oh, yeah. That's a beating. And, uh, and, and not playing scrubs. I mean, it wasn't Mark and I out there playing in the semis and the finals. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's true. <laughs> Like that, like I get thrown into the crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it wouldn't be that easy. Uh, Dalton takes the banks. Oh, you were, you, hold on, you were talking about Griffin. 
No, 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 uh, he yeah, was not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was talking yeah. about you, my friend. I'm sorry to say. All right. All right, you want, I like that. No, it's all right. I was just going to mention that Dalton got, hey, he took the banks, right? 413. Yeah, back. Yeah, I think that was pretty epic Which, there, too. Isn't uh, isn't four thirteen the highest number they've ever had for the banks? Yeah, I don't know that for sure. I I think you're probably right though. That's a that's gigantic. That's a huge number of banks players. I can't even believe that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Greg knows what he's doing in in putting that event together, where it's cheaper for players to play in the banks than to buy a ticket to come in and watch the tournament. So, you know, so many players don't buy back when they lose that first, you know, when they take that first loss, but it's, it's, it's a great event. You know, Derby city is anytime somebody asks me about what tournaments they should go to, I tell them Moscone cup and Derby city. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. This is true. You did. You didn't get to, well, you know, I'm, I'm real happy because, uh, Shannon is just a very good. What is that? What is he in the Hall of Fame for one pocket bank pool? Hmm. I think he's in the one pocket Hall of Fame for bank pool. Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. Um, and you, you know, other than his little Larry, you don't you haven't seen that much of him recently. Uh, as far as doing anything, you know, going out there playing and winning, uh, but. I'm I'm real happy for him. He's obviously got the natural aptitude to play the bank game. You you don't beat people like uh, uh, Scott Frost and Efren Reyes and you know John Brombeck at bank pool if you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm happy to Shannon. Make a little research on Shannon. Yeah, Shannon's always been one of the top bank players out there. Um, you know, speaking of the Hall of Fame, um, I did go to the dinner. Uh, was it Tuesday night? Yeah, Tuesday night for the OnePocket.org Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I've got to hand it to Steve Booth. He kept this quiet through the first few days of Derby. So a lot of people knew about it, but the important person didn't know about it. So <laughs> we had the dinner, and there was question you know, since the passing of Freddie the Beard, if there would even be a dinner, because no one was being inducted as a player. But what Steve did is he inducted Greg Sullivan for his service to the game. Yeah. And Greg shows up just thinking it's a regular, you know, the 11th annual dinner, and we're all just going to get together and talk about the legends of the game. And Steve just floored him when he... Un- unveiled the picture of Greg and had the plaque there. I mean, <laughs> Greg, Greg couldn't even speak. He went on stage and they said, "Come on, say something," and he just couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't keep it together. He was so surprised. It was. It was great, and I. I really love what Steve does to keep that part of this game alive and and to yeah. show the how the legends you know, what they've done for the game and, and it keeps it it keeps that part of our game alive and it's such an important part. I mean, Steve the game would be a weaker a weaker thing without absolutely. people like Steve involved and, and everyone at onepocket.org. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I, I think that I think that's awesome and hopefully somebody has video of 
Um, yeah, uh, big truck was there with the right. video cam. <laughs> okay. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. That'd be one of one of those uh, things that everybody missed. Well, hopefully we can get a little piece of the action. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big truck got it all on video. Awesome. That's outstanding. That's really good stuff. I guess his his wife also, Greg's wife also knew that it was coming the whole time, and she kept her mouth shut too. So that's even that much better that she was able to keep the this keep the secret for that long. That's amazing. Um, let's see what else we got coming up. Well, you know, there's this U.S. Open thing, um, but. I tell you what we're going to do. Let's take a quick break real quick and ease everybody's ears for the moment. And we'll come back and get the latest information on uh, Barry and the U.S. Open payments. And uh, we'll talk about maybe some uh, matchroom points or something. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Scott Lee. I'm Randy G. Welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. So what have we got today, Scott? Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, a gentleman that's very well known in the instructor community and by the name of Stan Shuffett. Uh, Stan is a former pro player. He's, of course, a father to Landon Shuffett, who's the current collegiate national champion and one of the students in Mark Wilson's Lindenwood University program. Well, we'll have to talk about Mark Wilson after a while, too. Sure. So uh, we've had the opportunity here just a little while ago to upgrade Stan to a, a higher level of instruction. To a How master. did that go? What oh, that think? was great. I, I really enjoyed uh, spending several days with Stan, and and uh, we, we learned a lot about each other, and I communicated to him, I believe, some uh, ways for him to be more confident in teaching other styles of, uh, of learning aside from just his uh, confidence in aiming uh, and, and he was very happy to to uh, learn the the processes that we use in our style of teaching. Uh, open minds open doors. That's right. Oh, yeah. If, if uh, I may then you, Scott Lee, Randy Gettlicker, Stan have all studied under the same gentleman have we not? We have. Uh, Hal Hool. Who uh, recently passed away. Yeah. I studied with Hal Hool since 1985, and I learned what we call CTE. Now, Stan calls it what? Pro One. Pro One, and, and uh, does an extremely good job at that. So, um, is there a difference between Pro One and CTE, or is it just how Stan takes Hal's? Tell me about it. Well, you know, I think that you can take any type of knowledge, and you can apply it different ways, different statistics, different methodologies. Um, I, I think that Stan has created his own version of CTE, which he calls Pro One. Yeah, it's quite a niche, isn't it? It is. I and, like it. And he's very confident in, uh, in instructing it. He has uh, some excellent DVDs out there. Of course, nothing replaces hands-on no. instruction from the, the teacher itself. So uh, do I think it's the same as how we teach CTE? Not exactly. It certainly has some of the same variables, but Stan has his own way of getting that message out. Oh, that's a, well, that's a good instructor, getting sure. the message across. I know that not all students that I have are ready for CTE. Oh. Um, I have several aiming systems, and I think we have to match the, the student to the aiming system, or vice versa. But um, 
Yeah, when I learned CT, it took me maybe three months just to get it into my system. But boy, hard to get out of it now. Well, and the one thing that is uh, true across the board with all of us is that there is no aiming method out there that's going to compensate for a poor stroke. Oh, no, never, never. You got a poor stroke, you're in trouble. So, Stan now is a master instructor? Yes, he is. So, from uh, Scott and Randy, congratulations, Stan, and welcome to the master group. Absolutely. Love to have you in our group and continuing to spread the word. Yep. For the One Minute Pool Instructor, I'm Scott Lee. This is Randy G. And we'll see you next week when we'll talk about learning. Uh, uh, different learning styles. And we're back, everybody, and I'm talking with uh, Mr. Mark Cantrell and Mike Howerton, if I can say your name right. Mike, um, give us the, the uh, skinny. What are, where are we at right now with uh, the derby? Who's left in the one pockets? And I know the nine ball is still unraveling, but uh, where are we right now? Uh, I think we're into the second round of nine ball, and, of course, there's way too many players there. I mean, there were a number of players who just showed up to play in the nine ball because it's a Moscone, Moscone Cup points event. Um, yes, yes. It looks like the one pocket is down to Bustamante, Mike DeShane. Mike DeShane, no losses yet in the one pocket. That that amazes me. Ooh, wow. I, mean, I, I know he's a great player, but I've never picked him as a one pocket player. Right, um, right. Uh, Ephraim, yeah, Alex, that, that surprised him. That yeah. surprised him. It is a little bit surprising. Uh, Ephraim, Alex, Jeremy, and Justin Hall. And as of right now, Jeremy and Justin both have no losses, and they're playing each other. So while we're filming, while we're taping this, um, one of them is probably t having taken a loss. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Mark, you know who knocked out Shane? I'll give you one guess, and I'll bet you get it wrong. He is a great <laughs> one-pocket player from the state of Arizona. Chop! Huh. <laughs> oh, Bernie Pettypeep. Bernie knocked out Shane. Wow. Did he really? Wow. That's awesome. I like Bernie. Bernie's such a great guy. Yeah, it looks like Bernie finished seventh because he just got knocked out by Bustamante. Um I saw Scott take his first loss, and he, he was not playing his usual power one pocket. Um, and then I believe DeShane handed him a second loss. With, with Efren still in the mix in the last six, and his third place finish in the banks, he's got to be your favorite again for master of the table. Yeah. I mean, there's no way Shane's going to win it. See, yeah. Shane went two and out in the banks, so he knew on day two that he wasn't going to be master of the table. Uh, but Shannon also finished seventh. So with his first place finish in the banks and a seventh place finish in the one pocket, uh, he's got to be right up there too. I mean, he's probably yeah. guaranteed some money as far as master of the table since they pay the top three. Mm, that is interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I'm expecting to see Efren up there. I totally expect Oh, yeah. Did did um sustain? Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say I expected Efren to win the uh, the banks. I was right. I was trying to make a bet with JP there, and he, he wouldn't <laughs> make a bet. And I'm glad he didn't because I lost. 
And you also would have gotten arrested by the gambling commission for making side bets illegally there, Mike, don't you know? <laughs> uh, we were uh, we were just, it was, it was just going to be like a, a verbal bet. There was going to be no money involved uh, yes, at of all course. because yes. we know that's illegal. Of course. We would never do that. We would never do that. That's absolutely right. <laughs> Did DeShane play in the banks? I don't even know. Did he play banks or not? I don't think he did. Okay, okay. Well, all right then. I guess he's not going to be Mr. Master either. So that's the way that's going to work out. Um, let's see. So we've covered that, or is there is there, do we have more information on hand on the derbies? No, I think I think that's about it. Um, Skyler, you know Skyler Woodward. Mm. He he also went two and out in the Banks event. But he did win a little Banks ring game they had on day two. And it was one of the strangest formats I've ever heard of. I was talking to Jason Shaw, and Jason says, yeah, he says, um, Skyler ran 13 rails, and then the next time he came to the table, he ran seven rails. Mm. And I was with Dave Thompson, and both Dave and I were confused, and, and I was thinking, well, this is just confusion, you know, Jason trying to talk about how many banks he made. And I said, so you mean he made 13 banks in a row? And he says, no, 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 he made 13 rails. And I said, Jason, what are you talking about rails? Well, this ring game that they did was a race to 100 rails. So if you shot a three-rail bank and made it, you got credit for, for three, the three rails. Yes, yes. And exactly. you had to make 100 rails to win the bank game. I've never heard of an event like that. Wow, me neither. Wow. I, somebody was talking uh-huh. about that uh-huh. on the forum. That's nuts, though. That I, I mean, it sounds pretty cool, but you're right. I, I don't think I've ever even seen that played before. That's interesting. Yeah, Skyler, again, you know, I guess he wasn't feeling well uh, in the first in the beginning of the bank's event. So that's, you know, he went to and out. But uh, it sounded like he was hitting them like, like the Skyler we knew from last year again for that ring game. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that's... I mean, cool. yes, the only other thing on, on the uh, derby is the um, Archer DeShane money match that's uh, set to go off. I mean, yes, I, and I, I, I knew it. I said it before when I heard about it. How are they going to play six hours, the maximum of six hours a day? with the schedule that they have now, if they're involved in the Bigfoot and the Nine Ball and that kind of thing. Uh, I want to show how they're going to... Yeah, Bigfoot finished in like three days, but, but you're right. I mean, and, and that's part of the problem, and, and I'm not going to consider it a problem, but that's part of the issue with Derby City. You've got, you've got players coming of a, a Banks match, and they're called for a one-pocket match, and then, you know, there was there were complaints from a couple players that they were playing a Banks match on a nine-footer, and then immediately coming off that match, they were told, oh, you've got Shane in the Bigfoot challenge, right. 10 ball on a 10-foot table, oh, and by the way, he's been hitting them over there for about an hour and a half on that table, but <laughs> you, get a, you get one rack to get ready. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It's a lot of. It's almost like there's too much going on uh, for certain certain events overlapping like that. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that not everybody has that problem because not everybody gets involved in every single event. But uh, I, you know, certainly don't know what the solution is other than to just schedule less. But 
you know, I, I guess at the same time, you're trying to maximize, you know, the bang for your buck for making the trip. Try to get as much pool in as you can for some of them anyway. So anyway, so we're caught up on the derby as far as the standings are right now. Tonight, the semifinals are, should be already underway by the time you hear this. As a matter of fact, by the time you hear this, the finals are actually going to be underway. And uh, so we won't be able to give you a report on that until at later time. But uh, so uh, anyway, we're going to move along on the schedule here. Um, as most of you know, um, there's this continuing problem with the U.S. Open payouts. And apparently some, I guess at least our Vietnamese friend has still not gotten paid, according to his own words, last night. So, Kentrell, you gave uh, Barry a call today. What did he have to say about that? He said he was busy. Come talk to me. <laughs> well, gee. <laughs> Was he busy playing? Was he was he busy at the Derby City? You know, running from people, or was he back at the house? He sounded like he was, he was not out for Yeah, <laughs> no, he was not at Derby. Um, he was uh, when I contacted him. He was in Virginia. Um, I'm guessing at his office at uh, Q Masters, and I he, he answered the phone for me and said. Mark, I gotta tell you right now, I'm really busy. I'm in a big rush. I've got all kinds of things going on. I'm sitting here with Roberta, and we're, we're getting it's things done. Cocktail hour. And so, okay, well, that's fine. You know, people wanting to know an update because it's been a couple of weeks since our interview that we did last time. And you know what's what's going on? He said Roberta's sending an email as we speak to the the uh, three players who were left, uh, letting them know what was happening. Mm -hmm. And um, he also said that he was going to be, uh, the, the money was would be wired by noon Eastern Standard Time uh, on Monday. Monday would be the So the players, the, the email seconds. that Roberto was sending was telling them, look, the money's on its way. Just so you know, this is where we're at. And Barry said, this is when it's going to happen. Um, you know, you know, uh, play devil's advocate. Uh, he was, said it was, yeah, was going to happen two weeks ago. I understand that. But I, I guess Monday, uh, I don't know how many more lives the cat has. But <laughs> Monday is supposed to be the time. I don't know what time noon, Eastern time on Monday noon. I don't know what time that is in Vietnam. Hmm. So, you know, it could be middle of the night for all I know. Right. So it may not get until Tuesday. So maybe we don't need to pay attention to something that I, it's Monday and I still don't have my money because Monday might be a different day here than it is in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, seriously, if that makes sense. If it's the middle of the night, he's not going to get his money if that's how it works. But I would say Tuesday is the day. If, if it's not there on Tuesday, I, I, have, I absolutely, I, you know, I've done everything I can to let Barry, let people know what's going on and be fair and balanced, as they say, on Fox News. Uh, to give him the 
his voice <laughs> and also ask him the hard questions. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, I, that's about all I can do. We didn't have time for an interview today, and that's fine. But he's not in Derby City, um, and apparently from what I saw, they canceled his uh, reservation at the casino yesterday. So. Hmm. Well, what, what's your thoughts on that, Mike? What's in Mike's thoughts on this one? <laughs> oh, you know, I was, I wasn't necessarily trying to, to stand up for Barry when the players were told they were going to have to wait. But I did make the comment, you know, after the Open that if the players are paid in 10 days, which was his first promise, then you know, this will all be forgotten about, and, and this will be considered a successful event. This has got to stop. I, I mean, it just... Yeah. I mean, and this is not a surprise to anyone. No, really. It, it's got to stop, and, and I don't know what's going to happen to cause it to stop, because it happens every year. And, and I mean, I don't know the logistics of putting on a tournament like that, but it... It's gone beyond giving a black eye to to the tournament. You know, American players they can they can fade this sort of thing, but international players they just can't do it. And, and Barry doesn't seem to understand. He's hurting his events. International players do not want to come and play in the tournament because by now they've figured out if you do well, you're waiting for your prize money. You know, yeah. the airlines isn't waiting for their money. Nope. The hotel is not waiting for their money. You've got to pay all this money up front, and you have no idea when you're going to get paid. And Barry just doesn't. He's not waiting. Barry's not waiting for his entropy money either. That's right. No. That's right. That's right. You know, and it's 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 sad that that the rest of the pool community is forced to turn to uh, entities like the WPA or the BCA and question why they would even sanction such an event in the first place. That you know what I mean. That's not something that should even that they should even be thinking about. But it's a legitimate question. You know how can they take the money and turn a blind eye? And it's not that they want to do that, but they're in a sticky situation too. Where just like us, we don't necessarily want to see the event go away. But this is getting to the point where of uh, just straight up ridiculousness. You know. Um, I can't decide whether or not I would like to see the event stop or not. I hate to think, I hate to say that I don't want the U S open to just disappear. But at the same time, the thought of him being in charge of this and it coming down to this year after year is I can't live with that either. You know, it's the lesser of two. Here's, evils. here's, a, here's, a, here's a question for you guys, because I've, I've been, uh, not necessarily a defender of Barry, but benefit of the doubt for Barry um, as much as I possibly can and give them a voice. If it wasn't for AZ Billions and that post that came out, and I'm not I'm not trying to pat myself on the back by tennis or my interview. Do you think the players would be any... When do you think they would have gotten paid if there wasn't a post on AZ Billions and there wasn't the interview that I did? Right. If we had not applied the pressure, basically. 
Right. If the older yeah. people hadn't come out and said, hey, what's going on? What's going on with the money? Where's the money? Where's the money? What would have happened? Do you think they would have ever gotten paid? Hmm. I mean, they're so far away. Well, eventually. I mean, it's a good question. It's yeah, a good question. I think eventually, but you're right. I, I don't see it having happened as soon as it did, or, or I don't see it happening as soon as it will. Um, and, and again, you know, I, I like the way you worded that. You know, you've kind of tried to give Barry the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. If there's an answer, if there's a solution to this, my opinion, and this is completely my opinion, is that there needs to be, I, I, I hate to say this, there needs to be a players' organization. And I don't mean a players' organization with someone who's supposed to be leading it, who has no idea what's going on, and the whole thing's just a front for somebody else on the board who leaves names unnamed. It needs to be an honest-to-God players' organization <laughs> that, that can look to see what they can do for the players. It's not just a players' organization made so that everybody gets paid. Right, right. A, a real, honest players' organization that can go to tournament promoters and say, what can we do to help your events right. and can then a real president of that organization can then go to Barry because there was confusion at the U.S. Open. When are we getting paid? And Barry wanted players to sign something. And, and you've got 64 guys that are waiting on checks and they're all trying to get to Barry. And I mean, it would even help Barry if one person could go to him and right. say, right. All right, what's the situation? Speaking for all of the players. Right. Now, you know, one question that comes to mind is, are the male players, are they able to put their faith in one person like the females did with the WPBA? Right. They, they put their trust in the WPBA board, and the board can speak for them. Are the men capable of doing that? You know, is there someone who could lead that organization, maybe mm -hmm. it's not a player. You know, maybe it's, maybe if, if you're going to have an organization like that, it, it can't be ran by a player. Right. Uh, but something's got to be done. Something has and, to be and, done. Yeah, you know, we I talk about what's going to happen for this game to get better. That has to happen. Right. I could not agree more. I, I've, I've preached that to a couple different people. And I know that everybody doesn't feel the same, but the, the, the bottom line is, number one, it'll make, it'll make these type of issues easier for everybody to deal with for, for the simplicity of communication straight up. But also for the power that it gives the players, uh, it, it, it gives both parties power. And let me explain, if you are a players legitimate players association, first of all, to the promoter's advantage, they are accountable. There is a body to be accountable to. So this is going to hold the players you know, accountable and responsible for what they do and what they don't do. The flip side is that the Players Association now has the power to go to the Barry Bermans of the world and say, look, we represent this large number of players, and if we can't work out this payment situation in advance, then we're simply not going to show up. Have a good time by yourself. You know, there's Absolutely. nothing bad that could come from it at all. And, and, you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, it would give a player's organization who is aware of all of these conflicts the ability to say, 
for the betterment of the players, can we schedule around these right. conflicts right. so that right. we don't have bar box going on at the same time as World Ten Ball? I mean, it's it's a win win for everybody right. if they're willing to look at it that way. Absolutely, absolutely. But but you, I, I might you say you actually, might you nail it with the one piece of the equation: are the players willing to put their I, I don't say their lives in somebody else's hand and say? We trust you to make the right decision. There's going to be the decision for the betterment of the game and for us as, as players mm-hmm. to negotiate on our behalf, to, to do, you know, uh, scheduling. That is the part right there where it's going to be the hardest trick of them all mm-hmm. to, to overcome, in my opinion. Well, I don't, it doesn't have yeah. to be one person. You know, I was just sitting there thinking about that as you were saying that, Mark. And the first thing that popped in my head was it, not necessarily a big board because you don't need too many chefs spoiling the soup. But you do need people to represent the interest of the players and the interest of the promoters. So here's the thing. I, I nominate Jerry Forsyth, Jay Helfert, and Johnny Archer. <laughs> Okay, you put those three together and and make them the head of the Players Association. Jerry, because he's been there and done that for so many years. He's seen it all, been there, served for the WPA. Jay, because he has been a promoter for that long, he knows what it takes to run a successful event. And he's not a current promoter that he would have conflict of interest with. And Johnny, to look out for the player's best interest from a player's perspective. So you've got both ends of the, uh, you know, either end of the issue being represented. I think those are all three level-headed enough to sit in a room and make the decisions as far as an association is concerned. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> you know, okay, far real quick. Thank you. <laughs> real quick to, to, to comment on that suggestion. Um, I know Jerry probably better than anybody, and he would want nothing to do with that. I know. I'm that, guessing that. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, players, the pro players will be shocked to hear me say this, but I do think you have to have some players on the board. I yeah. don't think players right. should be the majority of the board, but if you've got a three man board, one needs to be a pro player. If you've got a five man board, right. I think you have two of them are pro players. But they've got to be level-headed players, right? You know, not exactly. players who are going to fly off on some tangent, and certainly not players who don't have the betterment of the game in mind, right? And their own self-interest in mind, which is you absolutely know, several. Several of them are can be convicted of that as we speak, but I'll leave that alone too. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, do we want to talk about the 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 announcement of uh, the points system for this year's Moscone Cup team building? Do we have thoughts on that? Anyone? Uh, you have to have thoughts on something that hasn't happened. Uh, well, we don't know the scope of the points. You know, the scale, as they say, has not been uh, revealed. What have you? I guess we have a pretty general idea as far as which events are included so far. Um, do you have any thoughts about whether or not uh, or what it means to include bar box events in a Moscone Cup ranking? 
I, know I don't. You are going to avoid that, I, aren't I don't, you? <laughs> I, I don't agree a little bit with including bar box events, and I don't agree a lot of it with including three events that all take place at the same time. I think it's just going to be weighted too much towards the ones who do well in that event. Mm. Um, I hope that seeing as how Matchroom has not released their point system yet, right. I hope that those events, I mean, I don't want to say they're penalized, but I'm hoping that the points for those three events are not as you know, anywhere near as big as a turning stone or something like that. Right. So, I mean, we're pretty sure that the second turning stone event will be a points event. We're pretty sure the U.S. Open will be a points event. I'm hearing talk that there may be other events, right. uh, you know, being added to the schedule. But either way, you're almost going to have half of your points events taking place within a, a week-long period. And, and it's also going to be three events that are not going to have the Filipino players, the, the monster, you know, Toasty or Darren or, or players like that. You know, I just worry that you're going to have, I don't want to say no name players, but I just worry that you're not going to have the absolute cream of the crop. Right. Doing and, well in those three events. Right. And here's why that matters in case some of the listeners are not, are not getting the drift. It's not that you need Darren on the on, on the United States Moscone Cup team. It's the level of competi- of competitive play that's going on at those events that would make a difference. If if the points are given at a less high caliber event, then you know I might be able to go in there and pick up some Moscone Cup points. You know, hey, <laughs> if I don't have to play anybody that hard, in theory. Well, let's not let's not get silly. Okay, I am dreaming, thank you, but, you know, I dream big. <laughs> so, That's no, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Hey, hey, watch it now. I'll hang up on you. I, I can't address it. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's such a difficult thing, and again, it's laughable that we complain that we don't have enough pro tournaments and pro events going on around the world or in the United States that we're overlapping. And some people are going to go to some and some are not going to go to others. So, I, I mean, I, I, far be it from me to, or uh, maybe probably all three of us, to question Metro Sports. Right theories or ideas or concepts. Uh, they do pretty good. They've made fishing uh, a, a, a sport that gets 13 hours live TV. On, you know, <laughs> so if, if they can do that, they, they know what they're doing. Maybe I'm in the wrong but business. On, on the other hand, having a tournament that has as to, to echo Mike's statements, me and Mike playing and Thorsten Holman and Johnny Archer playing in it, that is gonna, th- there has to be a deduction in the points. I know I, Mike can talk, speak of this better than me because there are, with the BCA points, like the US Open has got a lot more point value than Turning Stone uh, or you know some of the other events. Right. Purely based on the amount of entrance and the the level of competition, 
Right. So is that is that what we think is going to happen with the maximum scale? Hmm. I I hope so. The BCA points list has three adjusters, and they are uh, size of field, total prize money, and strength of field. So, for example, if there's 16 or more of the top 20 players, there's a 10% bonus. If there's 12 or less of the top 20 players, then there's a 10% deduction. So Turning Stone is usually only worth 80% points. So, you know, I imagine that's going to be what they do. Uh, I haven't spoke to Luke, so I don't know for sure. But I do know that they considered for a period of time whether they should include the bar box events. And they certain, certainly didn't ask my opinion. If they had asked my opinion, I would have said no, but that's why they didn't. You know, I'm sure there's a number of reasons why they didn't ask my opinion. But, you know, I just I don't agree with, you know, there are bar table specialists and they have no business competing for the Moscone Cup. Um, well, you know, uh, just my opinion. I, I, and let me throw, and I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate just for a second. I spoke to Mark Griffin about it briefly earlier today. And without even me uh, poking the fire, he's, it, he made a point, And it was that statistically speaking, if you are dominant on a nine foot table, you would be dominant on a bar box. And if you're a dominant on a bar box, you're probably going to be dominant on a nine-foot table. Do you think that that justification for getting points, does that hold water? Or is that just an unreasonable thing to, to, to expect? No, I don't agree. I don't agree at all. Um, and Tyler was not considered last year, partly because he was thought of as a bar table specialist. Who's that? Um Skyler Woodward. Oh, Sky. Okay. Now, Skyler has proven that he can play just as well on a nine-footer, but sure. Jason you know, uh, uh, Bowman, you know, Bowman is a bar box specialist. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to compete with him on a bar box. Um, he doesn't need to be playing for Moscone Cup. You know, a friend of yours, Mark McCready. I mean, don't get me wrong, McCready was a great player on a nine-footer, but back in his heyday, nobody wanted him on a bar box, but they might have gambled with him on a nine-footer. Right, right, yeah. Well, that's a good point. And Mark knows that. Yeah, well, I would think, you know, and I'm not trying to give him shit about it. It's just that uh, I don't know, I, I'm not sure if I understand the motivation behind Matchroom's choice to, to, to make that decision. I mean, do we think that it's just lack of events? a lack of events, right? I mean, is it that simple? Yeah. Okay. All right, well, it is what it is. All right, man. Well, I think I, I, I agree. I, actually, I agree with. I, I was going to say I agree with Mike on that. The um, level of the ball box players that may be a great players, but you you can't necessarily put them in the Moscone Cup arena. Uh, and having three events all at once and. Everybody knows I'm a big supporter of Mark Griffin. I'm a big supporter of Ozzy, CSI, sure. and, and Matchroom Sports. So I'm not trying to, and a lot of the players, I'm not trying to dog in anybody's decision here. Here's the, here's the thing. There's a fabulous player up there in, uh, I believe it's Washington, named Stan Durango. Sure, you guys, you guys know Stan, right? I know the name. Oh, yeah. Fabulous ball box player. I'm not sure how he does on the, on the big table. And he could go 
he has the talent to possibly do very, 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 very well at the Reno Bar Table Championship. Now, how many points that's worth, I don't know. But can he end up on the Moscone Cup team? And that's, again, it's not going to be Stan Tarango. He's a great guy, great player. But I'm not sure he's a Moscone Cup team candidate. Right, right. Is that a, kind of what you're saying, Mike? Yeah, and, and you know, Stan is, is a good example. Now, in Stan's uh, defense, he was the only Canadian player that qualified in the uh, Chinese eight ball going on right now. You know, I know that Dan Louie and Paul Pottier all went up there, and Stan was the only one to qualify. So, wow. But yeah, you know, when, when you think of him, you don't think of him as, and again, this is no, this is nothing to, to say bad things about his game because he's a monster, but. He's, he's a true monster on a bar box. I don't know that he needs to be playing on the Moscone Cup. Right, right. Well, you know, if, I mean, put it like this. Um, let's say a player like Mike DeShane goes and plays in the World Ten Ball Championship and doesn't play in the bar box, and the team is put together with no Mike DeShane but a Stan Tarango or a, a Bowman. right. Right. You think the fans aren't going to go nuts? That's a good point. That's a good point. Because that's a higher caliber event in theory, the World Ten Ball. You know, you would think that the the person that walks away with that is should be worth more than the person that walks away with the bar box title. In theory. Right. You know? Definitely a tougher field. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that's that's why I'm wondering, you know, or hell, you know, put apples against apples, world ten ball versus bar box ten ball. Who do you think yeah. you know, which what do you think is a better tough you know, a tougher field to contend with and who is a more qualified player that comes out of either one of those matches, you know? Right. Bar box is such a, a strange animal, um in in my opinion, because you can have it's, it's a great equalizer. You could have somebody like Halliton playing <laughs> down in Appleton. I might be stretching a little bit here. Playing Appleton. <laughs> and he might win a couple of racks. You know, he might do okay and put the guy under pressure and God knows what's happening next. He's a great equalizer and you don't have to be as good of a player to beat a top pro on a bar box. Right. You do to beat him straight up on a nine foot table. Or a ten foot table. Is my is my opinion. And maybe using Mike was a real stretch, but oh well. But you, but you made your point, that's for darn sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was trying to give but, me yeah, the yeah, gentle it's, kick, it's, you know. It's, it's it's a his top to try and use uh, uh, a bar box. Although, listen, if you've got the skill to beat somebody on a bar box table, that means it's hard. It's it's an equalizer. It makes it hard for everybody. Or harder. Just, uh, I, I think it's a way, it's just some balls clustering around. You know, there's not enough room to move around. You really don't know what you're doing uh, mm. to, to maneuver the cue ball around the table with bar box. Well, that's but exactly the a lot point. Of people can run out on bar box. Yeah, no, that's exactly the point, though. You think about the break spread 
on a nine-foot table, playing nine ball, for example. Think about the spread on a bar box compared to a spread on a nine or ten-foot table. You're going to tell me that you have uh, just as much room to make shots on the bar box? There's no way. There's no way, man. It's not. It's not the same. It's not the same. There's a huge difference. Now, I'm not. I'm not dissing any particular player or anybody's skill level. I'm just telling you that's a different thing. You got a lot more room to work on a bigger table. That's just. That's just the way it is. You know, I'm not here to dispute the statistics. I'm just telling you that's the difference between the two. You've got room in one table and you don't on the other. One of them has it's all of them. It's, it's a tournament. It's a good tournament. And you flip and it. It's going to bring some good players. Flip it. That, that's all there is to it. And you've got the the exact opposite of that, where on the one hand, you've got more room to work on a larger table. On the smaller table, all of your shots are a lot more forgiving because you it every shot is shorter. So, the, the as you know, the longer the distance you have to shoot, the more of that error is going to uh, emerge, you know, you a couple millimeters off from a six inch shot, not that big of a deal, but a couple of millimeters magnified over several feet and you're going to miss that shot. So when the shots are shorter, you can make things that you can't make easier on a bigger table too. So they each have their own quirks, but to say that they're the same, mm, I don't know. I think that might be a bit of a stretch as far as talent is concerned. And now everybody's asleep. So we need to get out of here. <laughs> I just want to ask Mike a little bit more about the uh, oh, okay. what was what was the Arizona uh, Desert Classic Tour. Um, when are you is, what's it called now again? And is there a website? Is there any information on this at this point? The decision to change it to the Diamond Pool Tour, um, we had to get the official go ahead from uh, Diamond Billiard Products. Uh, they are a major sponsor of the tour, along with uh, Neil's Garage Cabinets. Uh, but I that, just wanted to get a little plug in there for them. Uh, we actually have a number of, of really great sponsors. Uh, Neil's Garage Cabinets, Casino Del Sol Resort in Tucson, Diamond Billiard Products. So with Diamond coming on board as a sponsor, we're changing the name to the Diamond Pool Tour. Um, no, we do not have a new website yet. Um I haven't even changed it on AZ Billiards, and I need to find out whether we're going to consider this a name change or whether we're going to consider it a brand-new tour altogether. Um, so once I get that worked out, then there will be an official announcement. Uh, but, yes, it, it is being you – know, the tour will from now, from this day forward, at least for this year, will be considered the Diamond Pool Tour. Um and other than that, it's basically the same format as it was before. There will be ten events and uh, different is disciplines. Is money the same, or is it changing? Everything else will remain the same. It's twelve fifty added to the main events and two fifty added to the second chance on Sunday. And and you know, when I say the same, I say the same as it was intended to be this year. It's not the same as it was last year. We're adding an additional two fifty to the main event. And we're adding a second chance of that. There are a number of other changes, um, which are I really don't want to 
it's not that I don't want to get into them. It's just that I don't want to drag this out any longer because we've been talking forever like we always do. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, if, you know, AZ Billiards uh, or, or the website for the tour, which right now is DesertClassicTour.com, that, that URL will be forwarding to DiamondPoolTour.com. And as of right now, there's nothing at DiamondPoolTour.com. Okay. All okay. right. Well, I'm, I'm thankful to I've been an Arizona resident. I'm thankful to you for uh, being involved um, and, and kind of taking over the reins a little bit uh, all, all together uh, of the Desert Classic Tour. I know Dennis uh, did his, his best, and he's got a family, and uh, he's a police officer, right? Yeah, and that's really all it was. I mean, this was not this was not anything other than Dennis saying he's just burnt out, and for the betterment of the game, and for the for the players to have the best opportunity, he was just kind of handing the reins over to someone who had a little bit more energy and maybe a couple more contacts within the industry. And, and along with that, you know, Scott Frost has been a huge help. I mean, Scott has has brought his sponsors on board. He has worked other sponsors to bring them on board. the The tour would not have grown this year the way it looks like it will be without Scott's help. And and between myself and Scott, uh, I think that we're going to make it into something that's a lot, you know, very exciting for the Arizona players and, and the players in the Southwest. At least I hope to, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about where it's going and, and I'm looking forward to our first event on February 7th and 8th at Skip and Jan's Bar Table Pinball. All right. <laughs> Such a good commercial, man. It sounds like a commercial. I know. That was that was so professional. I love that, man. That was really good. We would have we'd have to hire you to do some voiceovers or something like that. Or you know, yeah. well, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I, I, I think I, yeah, I, you know, I think I'm gonna um, be showing up to a couple of these things uh, just to play and show my face. Do I need anything? Uh, do I need to get another rank in or anything? <laughs> nope, just come on out and bring your cue. We'll take care of you. <laughs> you put me on the lowest level of handicapping. Yeah, you'd be a good um, dead so I, money. <laughs> I'd tell you that I'd, I'd do it because I like you, but I think you'll probably be on the lowest level anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, guys, well, I think that's enough for today. <laughs> I won't keep any longer. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Wrap it up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. We'll talk to you again after the the, the derby. And uh, yes, thanks to the listeners out there. And we will catch up with you again next week. You guys have a great evening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Go Play Pool app featured room here on American Billiard Radio. Uh, this week, I am talking to Brian Rube Sr. He runs the Cidersville Democratic Association in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. How you doing, Brian? How are you today, Mary? I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Good. Um, so why don't you give everybody a little bit of a history on Cidersville Democratic Association? Absolutely. Um the club is uh, a private club, a nonprofit private club. It's been in business for 106 years. We had our ups and downs over all those years. I have been uh, president of the club for a little more than six years now. And uh, in the past three years, we have 
brought in pool tables and pool leagues and to sort of help everything along and to give people a place to come play. Mm-hmm. And it's worked out very well. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, again, it's a nonprofit and uh, it's a member-based uh, organization. And it's just a good time for everybody. That's great. Um, so so you mentioned that you have leagues and tournaments and stuff. What do you guys have going on down there? Most recently, we had a 16-field one-pocket tournament, uh, mm-hmm. which turned out very well. And uh, uh, last weekend, we had a, uh, a benefit tournament for one of our members who has been out of work for a while. And we uh, probably can say that we had 22 shooters come play nine ball mm-hmm. and uh, we raised almost $1,200. Great. Um, and uh, other tournaments we do, we do a weekly tournament there. Uh, it's a revolving between 8, 9, and 10 ball every Saturday night. Uh, mm-hmm. Around 6 p.m. we get started. Uh, we average probably around 16 shooters every week. And uh, we are currently now in the preliminary stages of uh, doing a 18 and under pool tournament and also maybe uh, starting an 18 and under uh, pool league. Nice. Well, that's great to hear. I, that's that's good. It sounds like you guys are really um, doing a lot as far as the community goes, because like you said, you know, you guys, you know, a nonprofit and everything. And I would assume that you guys would do different things throughout the year to, um, you know, benefit the community around you. So supporting youth, the youth pool, that's that's awesome. Um Keep that up. That's great. When uh, when exactly are you looking to start doing the the youth leagues and stuff? Probably in the spring. Uh, like I said, we're in the preliminary stages now. I have some feelers out to a lot of the shooters to see if their children are interested in playing. Obviously, our building has two floors. Uh, we have three nine foot gold crowns on our first floor, and we have two seven foot diamonds on our second floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would probably get them on the first floor where it's a no smoking area. And uh, and that would be really good for them. And it's really just to to get the youth to to show them what pool is all about, yeah. what you can learn from that, the the camaraderie of of being around people, and just the game itself, and how mm-hmm. it can teach you to do a lot of different things and and build character in the process. Definitely, I'm I'm a firm believer that pool um, can teach as far as discipline and. And you know, learning to handle themselves under pressure, things like that. And so awesome. Well, uh, I wish you luck with that, and and I hope that uh, I hope that the kids around the area are interested, and that it's a success. Uh, so, so what else do you guys um, have going on down there? Do you guys serve food or drinks or anything? Yes, we have a full bar menu uh, for food. Uh, but a little unique twist on it, we have an oilless fryer system, so we use no oil to cook all our food. Um, people love it, and it's done spectacular things for us for revenue-wise also. Uh, and like I said, we're a nonprofit, so it's good for our members, and it also keeps uh, us able to uh, do the things we need to do to keep up with the building and doing more uh, events to raise more money to send out to other nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. like the youth programs around the neighborhood or to the emergency services around the neighborhood and, and things like that. Um, we do have a full spirit counter uh, and we serve beer. We do allow smoking downstairs on certain events, but most mm-hmm. times it's a non-smoking area. We also do karaoke once a month, do meat drawings, and this is all member-based, like I said. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and we it's going to raise money to keep the club operating and mm-hmm. also to be able to give out to other organizations. Nice. Why don't you uh, tell explain a little bit about the membership and and you know what it runs and what all it entails. Our membership is twenty dollars for the first year um, per person and. Basically, it gives you your card and key, and it gives you a say in what goes on in in the uh, club. Mm-hmm. And uh, every year after that, it's a ten dollar renewal fee. That money basically covers our insurance costs, or part of our insurance costs moving forward throughout the year, mm-hmm. um, which is good. Um, so some of the things we give back to the members uh, through what they pay also during the year that they're there is we mm-hmm. have a yearly uh, pig roast. Everything's paid for by the club, i.e. the members. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> uh, everybody comes out. But we open it up to everybody, you know, to come out to show them what we are and what we're about. And it's been growing every year. Um, the the membership at the club has grown from uh, 45 members six years ago when I took over. Now we are uh, approaching the 300 member mark. Wow. That's great. That is great. Just really all because of pool, huh? <laughs> pretty much. Uh, I use that as the uh, the catalyst for everything. Great. <laughs> That's good to hear. I like hearing that. That's awesome. All right. Uh, so is, is there is there anything else that you want to let our listeners know about? Uh, if you're ever in uh, the Lehigh Valley, you can go on uh, com. look us up, give you directions right to the place. We're only closed on Mondays. Every other day we're open from 5 to close, uh, whenever that may be. And on Sundays we open at 1. All right, great. Why don't you, real quick, let everybody know where you're located and how they can get in touch with you. We are located at 1383 Clearfield Avenue, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, 18015. You can reach us via through the webpage. Um, the email address is on the web pages, or you can call us directly at 610-861-0464. Great. And uh, also for our listeners, just so you know, we're going to put up a limited profile for the Cidersville Democratic Association. So you'll be able to find their information through the Go Play Pool app. And again, that's free to download. So check it out. Um, and uh, Brian, I really appreciate you getting on the phone with me today and letting us know about the room. And uh, I look forward to hopefully one day making it out in that direction. So, um, yeah, thanks again for for letting the listeners know about about your room and all the great things that you're doing out there. Well, thank you very much, and you're welcome anytime. And like I said, if uh, anybody wants to uh, make their way out there, or if they're in the area and want to stop by, just mention go play pool when you come in, and that you heard it on the radio there. And uh, I'm sure we'll. Uh, be able to give something. I can't announce what we would give away for free, but we'll give you something. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Sounds like the plan. You, you heard him, guys. You better get out there and mention Go Play Pool. All right? <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, thank you again. I sure appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> yes, indeed. And thank you for listening to another Go Play Pool app featured group here on American Billiard Radio.